Now this morning we're going we're gonna to wrap this 21 days in a series called Recalibrate. And recalibrate is just a fancy word to say adjust, to make adjustments. How I many of you know we got to make adjustments sometimes in our life because we get out of adjustment? Amen? One person thinks so. Amen. You know, I was thinking about recalibrate. You know, how do you explain that? How do you bring gravity to that? And ladies, forgive me if I, if I was really, you know, I, I, I would like to use a mall example, but I don't have one. So I'm going to use a duck hunting example. And so all the guys all of a sudden just perked up. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. But, but you know, uh, many years ago, I used to, I used to, uh, had a friend that was a very avid duck hunter and invited me to go, uh, oftentimes. And, and I had this shotgun that, uh, had an adjustable, uh, you know, most of them just have a bead on the front. You just, you know, you just line that up with a bead on the, on the back or whatever. And, and that's how you aim it. But this one had an adjustment on the, on the, uh, near the stock. And, and, um, I was using the gun and it was a great gun. I was knocking some birds down and, and all of a sudden I started uh, having problems. And I remember one time there was three ducks flying over the pond and, and, um, and you know, they were, you know, I, I aimed at one and I shot and the one I aimed at kept flying, but another one fell out. And my, my friend said, man, that was a good shot. And I was thinking, that was my shot. I said, no, man, that was you. Oh, no way. The one I have aimed at kept flying. So, you know, me being real spiritual said, oh, oh, must have been mine then, right? <laughs> but all the time I was thinking, that wasn't me, man. I don't know what, how that happened, you know? I don't know how that happened. And then later on, a, a duck felt, landed on the pond. And, you know, that's, that should be an easy shot, right? Right, Brandon? That should be an easy shot, right? Brandon and I went Friday and we, well, some got away. Let me just say that. And anyway, so I, I aim my gun at the, at the duck and I shoot and the BBs went way over the duck's head and the duck got away. But I said, man, I told my friend I was aiming right at that bird. And he said, you know, he said, maybe your gun got out of calibration. We're going to go. We're going to go see, put a target and see about it. And sure enough, we put a target out there on a piece of plywood and shot directly at it. And the BBs missed the target completely. And then we put it, you know, below the target and shot and it hit the target. And the whole problem was my gun had gotten out of calibration. And now my gun wasn't fulfilling its purpose, wasn't hitting its intended target. Amen. And, and you know, to, if we could borrow that example, sometimes in our life, we get out of calibration. We get out of adjustment. And the thing that God intended us to accomplish, we miss out totally because we get out of adjustment. How many of you know life has a way of getting you out of adjustment? Amen? And, and, and so, you know, the point, the point of the matter is, is that sometimes we need recalibration in our life. In fact, I could, if I could be so bold to say, we always need recalibration in our life because there's some moving parts in our life that get out of sorts. Amen? And so success comes from constantly recalibrating our life. And, and the beginning of a new year is a great time to recalibrate your life. It's a great time to make adjustments. People make resolutions and they, you know, they say, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to lose weight. And, and the two weeks after, they get out of calibration again. I know none of you, but some people. But let me just give you a couple of points to ponder 
Number one, God designed our life with an intended purpose or a target to hit. We're, we're not an accident. God didn't place us here with no agenda. How many of you know that? God had placed us here. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made everything for its own purpose. Your purpose is different than mine, and my purpose is different than yours. Amen? God created you with a unique plan and an assignment. Point number two, living God's intended purpose will lead you to a blessed and peaceful life. The more we figure out what God's purpose is and live God's purpose, the more our life will be blessed. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. Listen, God has planned for us to have a future and a hope. Where do you find that? You find that in God's purpose. When you live God's purpose, you're going to find God's blessing. Can I get a better amen? And so listen, Isaiah 26, 3 You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. When you keep your purpose firm, in other words, when you stay calibrated in your purpose for God, you're going to find peace and blessing in your life. God will bless your socks off. Amen. When you live your purpose, we must be intentional and make effort to live God's intended purpose for our life. Point number three, it's quite common and natural for us to lose our calibration. Like the shotgun, just using it, we lose calibration sometimes through, through the, just the busyness of life, through the, through the distractions of life. We lose calibration. Isaiah complained about losing his calibration. Isaiah 49, 4, he says, I've labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. What a tragedy to live your life in vain and for nothing. And that's what Isaiah had found himself doing. Job lost calibration for his life and he experienced the consequences. He said in Job 7, 16, I hate my life and I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. Listen, losing your calibration for life will cause you to live a depressed and an empty life. There's no better life to live than to live your life for the purpose and for the glory of God. And if I don't get a better amen than that, I'm going to say it again. There's no better way to live your life than to live in the purpose and the plan of God for your life. Amen. Amen. Point number four. Your life can be totally transformed just by making minor recalibrations. Isn't that true? Listen, your marriage can be transformed if you will make some calibrations in your relationship. Your financial situation can totally change if you will make some adjustments in your life. Amen? Your entire life can be changed if you're willing to recalibrate your life. And so listen, in this series, we're going to talk about areas of our life that need recalibration. And I believe there's no area that is of more importance to making sure that you stay on target and make sure you're in calibration than your passion for God. Because your passion for God will overshadow everything else in your life. Amen? Now, it's not that some of the other things are not important, but this is premier. This is priority number one. This is of utmost importance. Amen? The importance of recalibrating your passion for God. When I say passion for God, what I mean is your emotional affection, your attachment, your love, your enthusiasm for God. We need to keep that calibrated. Passion. 
Deuteronomy 6, 5 says this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your strength. Can I just mention something that we have lost passion in our society? We don't have passion for enough things in life, but we need fresh passion. And Deuteronomy 6 says you must love the Lord your God, not with a little bit of your heart, but with all of your heart. Amen? He's saying, come on, give it your best shot, man, with your soul and your strength. Listen, this verse is not a suggestion from God, but rather a specific command from God dealing with our passion. He says, listen, you shall be passionate for me. God is commanding us to keep a strong, affectionate love and desire for him. See, he's not thinking if you have extra time in your life, do this. He's saying, no, do this thing. Amen. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only and the only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and all your strength. Sound familiar? It was an Old Testament command. It's a New Testament command. Jesus reiterated the command. The most important commandment, he said, in all of Scripture deals with our passion for God. We need passion for God. God requires us to stay passionately affectionate and in love with him. Amen? Are y'all still tracking with me? Now, why is that so important? Well, it keeps our heart from idolatry. Somebody said, if you don't worship God, you're going to worship something. Amen? Leviticus 26.1 says, do not take do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. What is an idol? It's the excessive enthusiasm, love, adoration, or reverence for any person or thing. You can make a person an idol. A relationship can be an idol. Your hobby can be a, a, an idol. When your passion for God is replaced by your passion for a person or a thing, you slip into idolatry. And so it, it can be money. It can be, it can be a hobby. It can be entertainment. It can be pleasure. And the more, the most common idol that we make is we make an idol of ourselves. It's self-worship. And so we got to be careful that we don't trust, we don't rely on, and we don't give more attention to anything rather than God. Amen? It's okay. Listen, God wants us to have passion in our marriage and passion with the, in our relationships and passion to have fun. That's okay. But we just got to make sure that our passion for God is the most passionate thing that we get excited. I can't be more excited about when a football team crosses the finish line than I am about God. Are y'all hearing me this morning? You cannot be more passionate about a duck falling out of the sky or a deer hitting the ground or getting a sail at the, the Cadiana Mall than you are for the living God. Amen. We got to be passionate for God. Why? It'll keep us from idolatry. And why is keeping from idolatry so important? Because it hurts us spiritually. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 27, 15, curses the man who carves an image or casts an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, they made idols and they worshiped them. Now we don't have, we, we, you know, idols have taken on a new face now. You know, I could pull out a dollar bill and say, that's an idol in some people's life. 
It was in the Gospels. Jesus said a rich man turned away from him because an idol had become a $20 bill or whatever it was. It was probably a few more zeros on there, right? But idolatry blocks us spiritually and keeps us from the Lord's favor and blessing. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm trying to encapsulate that in prayer and fasting. Why do we do that? Well, we're doing it because we want a fresh passion for God and we don't want our heart to fall into idolatry. Amen. Listen, when a nation goes into idolatry, they lose the favor and blessing of God. Whenever a, whenever a city gets religious and gets superstitious and they start putting their faith and trust in things instead of God, they lose God's blessing on their life. And whenever our houses start building altars to other gods and we don't have our heart towards God, we get into trouble. The new year is a great time to recalibrate our passion for God. Amen? Remember the book of Revelations. Out of seven churches that the Lord addressed, three of them, the problem He had with them was their passion for God. The church of Ephesus had allowed their passion of God to wane. In Revelation 2, 1, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know the things that you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examine the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You have discovered they were liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place and among the churches. Now to the church at Ephesus, he says, this is the problem. You've lost your love for me. You've lost your passion for me. Notice the price the church of Ephesus paid for losing their passion. Verse 5, I will remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Ephesus was going to lose their spiritual light and influence in the church community. Now, can I just make application here? If we're going to win souls in 2013 at Family Life Church, If there's going to be some lives that are going to be changed, it's not going to happen because I got great three-point sermons. It's going to come about because the anointing and favor and blessing and provision of God is on the house. Amen? That's the only reason it's going to do that. Amen. We got to have the favor of God. We got to have the anointing of God. The church of Sardis, Revelations 3. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has seven sowed spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. But you are dead. Wow. That's the last thing I want the Lord to tell me. You are dead. How can it be that you think you're alive but you're dead? It's deception. It's lack of discernment. And that was the issue he had. He said, you say you're alive, but you're dead, man. Come on, are are y'all tracking here? And so look at the consequences. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold it to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected, as a thief. Now, I don't know what the Lord means when He says, I'm going to come to you suddenly, but I don't think it meant that He's coming with a blessing. Right? Because He's rebuking them. The church of Laodicea, 
Verse 15 of chapter 3. I know the things you do that you're neither hot or cold. It wasn't that they weren't doing anything. They were doing some things. And he commended them and said, you're doing this good, you're doing this good. But this is where I got a problem. I got a problem with your passion for me. And then he says, I wish that you were one or the other. Or or, excuse me, verse 15. uh, I know the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow, what a graphic description, huh? I mean, I don't want to nauseate the Lord. How about you? And so listen, the church of Laodicea have lost their fire for God. He said, this is the problem. You're lukewarm spiritually. And so notice the price Laodicea paid in verse 16. The Lord says, I will spit you out of my mouth. When we allow our passion of God to replay, be replaced by idols or other gods, it hurts us spiritually. Would you all agree with that? You see, so listen. So here's the thing. I don't need to fast and pray. It's not like it twists God's arm and, you know, I can manipulate God, right? You know, it doesn't mean I, I get to go to heaven. I, I'm going to heaven by, by what Jesus did, his prayer and fasting. Amen? But listen, that's so he's not saying, you don't do this to earn your way into heaven. No way, man. Like, like the, the guy at the, the place where we hunted, he said, I want to give you all a free hunt because I want to go to heaven. We said, ho, 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 ho. We would be glad to get a free hunt, but we can't get you to heaven, buddy. You're going to have to, we can point you to the one that can get you there. Come on, are y'all with me out there? But how many of you know that it'll be a blessing if we keep our passion for the Lord burning? And so three of the four churches, he says, listen, this is the problem that I have with you. Your passion for me. Why is our passion for God so important? Number one, it keeps our hearts from idolatry. But number two, it positions us to receive the full blessing of God. Amen. Now, that's what I like to hear. Amen. Come on. The eyes of the Lord. Second Chronicles 6, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to me. The Lord strengthens those whose hearts are fully committed to me. Amen. Those who have not allowed the things of this world to steal their passion for God. God says, I'm going to look around and I'm going to spot you and my eyes are going to touch you and you're going to see my strength be released over your life. Now, when he looks over family life church, I don't want him to look over me. I want him to look at me. Come on, what about you? I don't want them to look over me. I want them to look at me. Come on, how many of you want the Lord to look at you? Amen. Praise God. Passion for God equals the blessings of God. It always has. It always will. Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. If you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and soul, then He will send the rains in their proper seasons, the early and the late rains, so you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all you want to eat. Listen, you know, in the children of Israel, whenever they got into idolatry, their grass started dying. It quit raining and their grass died. Their cows became skinny because they didn't have any grass to eat. And all of a sudden they didn't have any vineyards and and everything around them that, that represented life and blessing began to shrivel up. But in Deuteronomy 11, he says, listen, I'll tell you how you turn that around. I am, if you obey the commands I'm giving you, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, I'm going to send the rains. See, when you live right with God, God sends the rains. 
When you go after God, He sends the rains. Amen? 21 days of prayer and fasting is saying, come out of the wilderness and get into the rain of God's presence. Amen? Come on, that's the blessing. God promises blessings on those who keep their hearts passionate for Him. When we lose our passion, it hurts us spiritually. But when we maintain our passion, it releases great favor and blessings. Amen. So how do you get passion for God if you don't have it? How do you, how do you get it? Walmart? Kmart? No. How do you regain your passion if you had it but you lost it? How do you get more passion? More fire. How many of you want more fire? Why do, why do you want more fire? More fire means more grace. Amen. And so how do you recalibrate your passion for God? Look at the instructions the Lord gave the church. And if you go back and look at these three churches, I've just, I've just mentioned in, in Revelation 2 and 3, you see the Lord's instruction on how to get back on track. But in Revelation, in, in the church of Ephesus, in Revelation 2, 4, he says, I have this complaint against you. Don't love, love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from the from its place among the churches. So two things, he says. Number one, turn back to me. And that's repentance. Repentance is saying, you know what, Lord? I've allowed stuff to mess up my relationship with you. But Lord, I, I know that I'm wrong in that and I'm turning back to you. He says, turn back to me. And then the other thing he says is, do the works you did at first. Whatever it was you were doing at first when you got your passion, go back and do that again. Amen? Now the Bible says in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many of you want a refreshing from the Lord? Amen. You want a new refreshing? Listen, it's no fun going to church if you lost your passion for God. It begins to be a drudgery. Oh, I got to go to church, man. Because, man, somebody's going to be talking about it. Somebody may ask me where I've been. Well, my wife is going to start hollering at me if I don't go to church. Come on, are y'all with me? It's drudgery. Read the Bible. I don't want to read the Bible. But when you got a passion for God, where is my Bible? I can't wait to get to church. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Come on, I'm trying to stir you up this morning because I don't want you to be living out of calibration. I want you to be calibrated in your passion for God because it's going to release a blessing. So how do you do that? Well, do the work, seeking after God. And there's no greater disciplines to to getting you recalibrated than prayer and fasting. Amen? Fasting and prayer is two disciplines that will ignite a fresh passion for God. Amen. Listen, this morning you could sense the excitement even in worship. People are just already getting excited about it. Amen. But let's come next Sunday. There's going to be a hyphen passion in here. Amen. And then come the following Sunday, we're going to be rocking and rolling. Amen. Why? Because we're pursuing God. We're going after God. You're going to sense and feel the presence of God. There's going to be a new release of the anointing of God in your life. Why? Because you just make serious your pursuit of God and God honors it. He always has. He always will. He'll never turn you down. He'll never turn his back. When you take a step towards him, he'll take three towards you. Amen. And it's a great blessing. Amen. 
Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. How many of you know that's true right there? Amen. You know what prayer and fasting is like? Logs in the fireplace. You throw those logs in that fireplace, you're going to get a roaring fire burning. Amen. Prayer and fasting is like spiritual firewood that ignites your passion for God. Daniel knew the, the power of prayer and fasting when he needed direction from God. Isaiah or Daniel 9, 3. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Paul and Barnabas understood the power of prayer and fasting. In Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they put their trust. Prayer and fasting has always been the spiritual dynamite, the disciplines that God uses to ignite a fresh heart and a fresh fire in the people's lives. Amen? Remember in Acts chapter 2, whenever they were in the upper room and they were praying and seeking God, the Bible says the anointing of God came. The whole place shook and like fire came upon their heads and they began to speak in unknown tongues as the fire of God began to fall on them and the church began to explode and they began sharing and meeting each other's needs and they had great communion together and the Lord was adding many people as they got ignited with fresh fire from God. Y'all still tracking with me? Y'all ready? Come on, how many of you ready? Listen, I'm telling you, God will bless you in ways you've never known. Prayer and fasting will give you a newfound passion for God. It'll ignite a fresh passion. The blessings of prayer and fasting, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Prayer and fasting doesn't twist God's arm. It doesn't manipulate God. It doesn't like if you fast a certain amount, then he's going to give you a certain amount. But you know what it does? It's an invitation that God gives us and says, look, pursue me, seek me. If you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Amen. And you know what I found? If you just draw near to God, the things that you would like in your life to be blessed with, those will automatically be released in your life. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Just just trust God. Amen. But I found the closer you get to God, the closer you get to his favor and his blessings. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Come on. How many of you want more passion for God? How many of you would like God's greater favor and greater blessing? Come on. How many of you maybe you might be stuck in a rut right now? How many of you ready to get out of that rut? Come on. How many of you have been seeing enough, enough dryness around you, enough dead grass around you, and you ready to have some rye grass? Amen. You ready to have some green grass? You're tired of being dry, discouraged, depressed. You're ready for the fire of God to fall in your life. I'm telling you, God will bless your life. He rewards those who seek Him. Amen. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You know, He restores what's lost. Restore means to give you back, replace, pay you back, make up for the years that you've lost. And Joel chapter 2 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. This is in the context of prayer and fasting. And he said, listen, the locusts have eaten all your, all your crops. You know, the, the swarming locusts, the gnawing locusts, they've eaten everything you got. But I'm telling you, turn back to me and I'm going to restore what the locust has eaten. Amen. Listen, some of you may be failed. You might have had a bad year. You might have got knocked down. You might have got knocked out. But I'm telling you, when you pursue God, he will restore. He will pay back what the enemy stole from you. He will give you back what you lost in your ignorance or in your wrong way of thinking. God is a God of restoration and he will give back that which you have lost. Amen. 
Amen. Woo! I, I feel the fire of God in here already. Come on. I remember years ago, I was ready to quit the ministry. I'd just been in ministry long enough to not like it anymore. I'd lost my fire. I was just, I'd preached from my toes. I had nothing to offer. I was just so empty, so discouraged. And I went on a 21 day fast. And at the end of the 21 days, something happened to me. That dark cloud broke off of my life and a new fire came on me. Praise the Lamb for the fire of God. I'm so glad he broke that thing off of me. Come on. Are y'all with me? You might be in a rut today. I'm telling you, God will take you out of that rut. He'll give you a fresh fire, fresh fire. Come on. Miracles. Come on. The Bible says that he will release supernatural breakthroughs in your life. There was a man who had a son that was demon possessed and the disciples prayed for him, couldn't help him. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus delivered him. And the disciples said, why couldn't we? And Jesus said in Mark 9, 24, he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is like gas and fire. Amen. Listen, you can fast and just lose weight and get nowhere near God. But I tell you, when you fast and pray, you're going to have fire and gas igniting in your life spiritually And the fire is going to burn. New faith will come to your life. New faith will come to your life. Amen. I believe there's some of you in this in this room. You've been in a rut for too long. And God's saying, this year, 2013, is the year that you're coming out of your rut. And right now, where you sit, God is stirring your heart and saying, look, you've been living in dry grass long enough, and I'm ready for you to lay down in green pastures. I'm ready to you sit down at the table of my provision. Come on, man of God. Come on, woman of God. Stir yourself up. Deny your flesh. Humble yourself. Seek after God. And the desires that you've been desiring in your life will come flowing in your life. I'm trying to encourage somebody in this room today that God is wanting to give you miracles. He's wanting a breakthrough in your life. Do you believe? Do you have faith? Do you have confidence that God can do it? Amen. Amen. The miracles that have taken place in this church over the years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know what? I believe God's got some more. He's got some more. Amen. He's got more. He's got more. You know, I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Well, I'm not going to. I just feel checked not to go there. Because I feel like it's just a self-adulation. And I don't want to do that. I want to encourage you. That if you seek God, God will honor you. If you pursue God, God will bless you. I don't know how else to tell you. I don't know how else. I'm doing my best to encourage you today. As your pastor, I don't want you sheep to be living in dry grass. I want you to live in green pastures. And I'm telling you, there's a path to take to get out of the dry grass and to get in the green pastures. Amen. We're believing that God is going to release the miraculous. People are going to get healed. People are going to get delivered. Financial miracles are going to be released. Depression is going to break. Fear is going to go. And the divine favor and provision of God is going to be released. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you see these. What does that look like to you? 
I'm glad somebody said mountains. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 says, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whatever, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. There's some things I prayed for that didn't happen yet. But you know, a while back, there was a big, there was two mountains in my life. I didn't know how to solve them. I could not get the solution from man. The only way that I could get past it is God had to intervene. And I was praying about it and I was belly aching to God somewhat and said, Lord, these are mountains. What do you want me to do? He said, speak to them. I said, speak to him. He said, yeah, remember that verse over there, Mark? You shall say to that mountain, be thou removed. Say to that mountain, Todd. But you got to have faith. I went over there in my Bible, read it. It's like, okay, all right, all right. And I began to say over that problem I had, mountain, be thou removed in Jesus' name. First time I said it, it's like what I said came back at me and said, that mountain ain't going nowhere. And I said, no, Jesus said, if you say it's going to be removed. I said, mountain, be thou removed. Melt, melt. I think it's in Zechariah. says, you shall say to that mountain, grace, grace to you, and it shall become a level plain. And so I began speaking to that mountain. The mountain still persists. But all of a sudden, in the spirit realm, the mountain started cracking. And the mountain started losing its power. And it started losing its hole. And all of a sudden, the mountain lay low. Amen? Now, why am I telling you this? Some of you have mountains in your life. We have some push pins right here. I want you to put a prayer request and pin it to the mountain. And I want you to just believe, God, that that mountain is going to be removed. There's some mountains in my life right now. What about yours? God wants to remove those mountains. Can you believe God? Can you trust God? Come on. It might be like the demon-possessed boy. You say, Lord, I don't know if this, if this son can be healed. I don't know if it can be changed. Yes, it can. It can be a mountain that's laid low. Are y'all with me? Come on, we're going to believe God. And as we pray, the pastor's going to lead prayer meetings every, every, every uh, three times first week, every evening. And we're going to say to the mountains for you, for those of you that pin your prayer request, Lord, there's a mountain. Melt it, Lord. Melt it. And we're going to join our faith with yours and believe with you that miracles are going to happen. Amen? We're going to believe that people that are not yet saved are going to come stumbling through these doors and give their life to Christ. Amen? We're going to believe that people that are addicted and that have no solution, no way to turn, are going to come stumbling in these doors and meet Jesus and they're going to get supernaturally delivered. Amen? I'm believing that people that come in these doors, that the doctors say there's nothing they can do that Jesus is going to walk in and the great physician and say, be thou made whole and they're going to be made whole. Amen. Come on, stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, how many of you have mountains? 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 Come on, those mountains are, are just, come on, the thing about a mountain is it shows up big in your life. Come on, look at that mountain. Look at that mountain. Look at that mountain and speak to it right now. Say, no, this is going to change. Have faith in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Do you believe, saints of God? Do you believe, saints of God? Do you trust God? Come on, do you? Do you believe? 
Come on. Are we a people of God that believe God? Or do we have faith? Are we a bunch of doubters? Are we a bunch of unbelievers? No, we are people of God that believe God. Amen. Father God, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that miracles are already taking place. Lord, that there's a supernatural release of the power and the grace of God right now over this church. Lord, a spirit of prayer, a spirit of grace, a spirit of fasting is being released over this church. A newfound hunger, a newfound thirst is being released, God. And that, Lord, there are blessings that are being released even as we pray today. Come on. Joe said, proclaim a solemn assembly. Proclaim a time of prayer and fasting. I'm declaring tonight at midnight that we, Family Life Church, is going into a time of prayer and fasting, believing for the members of this church, the people in this church, to be released with favor, to be released with the presence of God, to be released with the grace of God. Father, I pray, cover them right now. Lord, I pray you're covering over them. Lord, I, sh- I shelter them with your grace right now. God, may they be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray in the mighty strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed, shouted and said. Okay, everybody that agreed, shouted and said. Come on, give God praise, give Him glory, give Him honor for breakthroughs, for miracles. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready? Come on, y'all ready? Y'all ready, saints? Come on, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And we'll be blessed with with a blessing. Amen.